Hey, what's up, y'all? Lisa A. Smith here. Welcome back to the Black Health Academy podcast and to another solo episode. I think this is my second solo episode in 2020, recording my first one on January 1st, 2020, just a few hours into the new year. If you haven't, take a listen to that episode. I dropped so many nuggets and so many of you said you absolutely love that solo episode. So I'm going to throw you another one today. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I am the founder of a company called the Black Health Academy where our mission is to eradicate the most common chronic diseases which disproportionately impact people of color. I'm also the founder of a company called Professionally Fit, where we focus on organizational wellness, health and fitness, and I'm also a certified plant-based nutritionist, the executive director of the Plant-Based Nutrition Support Group, and the author of The Plant-Based Foodie. So that's enough about me, but I know we're gaining new listeners all the time, and so I want to make sure you guys know who you're listening to. So check it out. Today's episode um, is going to be focused on a subject matter that um, I didn't know that I did. But when I read it in a book, I was like, oh, that's juicy. So I'm going to share a super juicy subject with you today that really hit home for me. I've been sharing this topic with people all week and all week people minds are being blown. Insert the emoji with his head blowing up <laughs> at the top. Anyway, okay. So before we do that, though, let me tell you what I'm sipping on. So I, it is 9 a.m. on Wednesday, January 29th, 2020. And I've already gotten a 30-minute workout in. I'll get another workout in later this afternoon about 5 p.m. And then I've already uh, consumed 62 ounces of water. So 9 a.m., I've already got 62 ounces of water in. And so for this podcast, I'm sipping on some herbal tea. Uh, it's a special blend that I actually got from Croatia last year. I went to Croatia last summer. And um, anywhere I go, I always buy tea. So it's a loose tea. So I steeped it for a few minutes. I added some fresh ginger. And so that's what I'm sipping on this morning. So um, for many of you guys, you many of you know me from teaching plant-based nutrition. You know me from doing lectures and talks centered around gaining back your health, right? In a very holistic way, using food, using personal development, um, using stress relief, relief techniques. I'm all about holistically restoring your body and your brain to a level of optimal health. So that's what I teach. That's what I do. I slang plants 24-7, 365. It is my jam. And But on today's episode, I want to talk a little bit more about personal development. So usually when we are recording these podcast episodes, I say we because I'm often joined by my co-host, Miss Get Fit with Jay. And so her and I usually go over the tangible aspects of health, you know, uh, how to institute a plant-based diet into your life, how to institute, you know, weight loss techniques that actually work and stick. And so when I do these solo episodes, I like to dig a little deeper into the personal development side. And that's what I'm going to do on today's episode. Now, today's episode is entitled, uh, How to Prioritize Pleasure, right? Now that, when I first learned about prioritizing pleasure, um, I thought it was quite juicy and a very interesting concept to say the least. And so I'm going to give you three ways today on how to prioritize pleasure. And I'm going to tell you where the idea came from and how it came about and all that. But before I do that, 
Um, and as most of you guys know, I totally freestyle these solo episodes. So there's not like segments. There's no wait, what? There's no black history health. There's, this is all about me just hopping on and chatting with you guys. So I hope that's okay. Um, but before I delve into the topic, I want to share a letter from a listener. Now, uh, in Detroit, I hold a monthly class called Get Planted, an introduction to a whole food plant-based lifestyle. And that class is held every first Saturday of the month in downtown Detroit. I've been holding this class for about a year and a half. I started it in like the summer of 2018. And um, every first Saturday, I, I have a location. And every first Saturday, People show up, the uh, classes on Eventbrite, they register for free, and sometimes we have vendors and food and all those great things, but I lecture for two hours about the power of food, the science behind nutrition, and tips on how to begin to shift your mind and your plate from a pharmaceutical supplemental standpoint to a whole food standpoint. And so when I have these classes, because the event is on Eventbrite, uh, every month I usually have new people who have never been to the class. Well, just this month, January of 2020, our class was held on a Saturday, January 4th, and we had one of the biggest turnouts we've ever had since I started this class. And I was truly taken aback excuse me, aback by the response from this class. First of all, you know, I know it's January. I know it's top of the year. People tend to be a little more conscientious about their health and the goals that they want to achieve around their health. And what I started to do is attribute the fact that we had an overflow in this class to the fact that it was the top of the year and everybody just wants to get healthy, right? And so what my mind wanted to do was say, you know, well, this is just like, you know, the gym being packed in January because um, people have resolutions and they're trying to get healthy and come February, come March, come springtime, come summertime, um, things are going to dwindle down and it won't be this way. And that quickly shifted that crazy thought, completely flipped it on his head um, and said, no, Lise, you've been teaching this class for, an hour, for a year and a half and it's gotten exponentially better every month, right? Um, and people are constantly telling you the results that they get from coming to this free community nutrition class, right? How you move them. Uh, people are constantly coming back every month and bringing friends and family. And so that's a testament to the work you've put in. And so instead of attributing the success uh, of this class to a new year, I decided to take onus of it. And I decided that we didn't have an overflow when people standing up in the back and um, and having to bring out more chairs just because it was 2020. We did that because I was being obedient, right? I was being obedient to what I was called to do. But not only have I been obedient to what I've been called to do, I've been consistent in that calling. So obedience and consistency is the perfect recipe for a standing room only event. You hear me? Okay, I'm going to say it again. Obedience and consistency is the perfect formula, it's the perfect combination for a standing room overflow event. So I expect to see just as many people this Saturday on February 1st. I expect to see just as many people in the first Saturday in March and April and May. So just a quick nugget for you guys. I figured I would take 
a lesson that I had to learn a couple of weeks ago and tell you about it because maybe it applies to you. You know, um, your success or your ability um, to surpass your goals is not necessarily attributed to an external force. If you've been buckling down and doing the work, if you've been obedient to what you've been called to do and you've been consistent with being obedient to that calling, then that is the perfect recipe for success. So I just like to publicly say, I did that thing, okay? But in doing that thing, um, I received a letter from a listener. So when I say listener, it's not necessarily a listener of the podcast. It's someone who was in the audience at this January 4th class listening to my lecture. But I just thought letter from a listener sounded better, right? But And so uh, I wanted to share that letter with you guys here on this solo episode. Let me take a sip of tea. Because it really moved me. And while I know... Um, what I've been called to do and I know that I'm good at what I do and I know what my gift is and I don't shy away from it. I also don't relish in it often. I often don't think about it. I just keep moving. I'm like on to the next body that needs to be saved, on to the next audience that needs to hear this message, right? But what sustains me in the moments where I'm, I'm tired or I may feel overwhelmed or I may feel, you know, too pulled or too stretched what, what continues to ground me are letters like this, you know, hearing from you guys and you telling me exactly how you and your family has been impacted by a message that I delivered. And so I just want to publicly say thank you for every single one of you guys who consistently show up to my classes, my courses, my lectures, to my podcast, to my live online coachings, to the guys who have joined the Black Health Academy. We're up to almost 600 members now. Um, I appreciate and love you guys wholly and fully. And um, so now I'm going to share this letter. It's from a woman who goes by Tish. And um, she sent this uh, email to me on just a few days ago on January 23rd. And so here it is. It says, hi, Lisa. I am a new follower. My husband and I have been exploring whole food, plant-based eating for a little over a year now. We've been following people like Dr. Furman with Eat to Live and Dr. Greger with How Not to Die. My husband found you online and we attended your monthly free seminar, seminar in January 2020. I have to say that I absolutely love what you are doing for us in our community. I love the way you take this information, break it down, and make it so in-your-face real and applicable. Before attending your seminar, I have been playing around with plant-based eating, having a little something here or there. After attending your seminar, I have not had any animal or refined sugar since that day. I bought your cookbook and have been listening to your podcast. Quite a few things you said pushed me over the edge to change, but key statements were, stop with the half things in moderation, just quit. And when you talked about your client feeling guilty for cooking plant-based for her husband and kids, that really hit home for me. That was my problem. You said, shift your mindset from I can't have that to I don't want that. It just makes so much sense. And when you talked about the emotional eating piece and how we all use food for punishment and reward, that all hit home for me. Most importantly, the way you help people realize and understand the science behind what is really going on in your body when you eat certain things and take certain drugs just hit a home run. Finding you and the Black Health Academy is exactly what I need at this time in my life. I lost my mother at the very young age of 67 this past July. 
She had a long list of controllable chronic illnesses, diabetes, high blood pressure, and heart disease. I literally watched her deteriorate over the years after many failed attempts to get to get her to make lifestyle changes. The doctors would just give her drug after drug, never focusing on nutrition. I would love to see you put Weight Watchers out of business, LOL. There is such a need for what you are doing amongst our people and my family especially. I am so passionate about this change in my life. I know I must get myself together so I can help others. I could definitely see myself becoming certified under you one day. As I get myself together, I will recommend you to everyone I know. Keep doing what you do. Tish, I hope and that you hear this episode. Listen, that moved me nearly to tears. And it was so it was so crazy because when I got the email, I remember I was like getting dressed to head out to something, probably to coach somebody or to a meeting or whatever. And so I remember reading it as I was walking to my car. I wasn't able to fully sit down and absorb it. And I'm replying to her as I'm getting in the car and trying to get on to the next appointment, right? Just going to slang the next plant. And um, when I got a chance to reread it and really, really let it settle in, I was like, wow, right? It's almost surreal oftentimes as an entrepreneur to actually see something that you created in your mind, a vision that you had manifest in the real world and then actually have the impact that you intended for it to have on your community community or the audience that you serve. And this is what this moment was like for me reading this letter. So Tish, I want to say again, you know, I replied directly to your email, but I want to say publicly, um, thank you for reaffirming this for me. Thank you for letting me know that this is making a difference, right? Um, that showing up every day, um, showing up every month to teach this class is worth it. I appreciate you so much. I will continue to follow your journey and please continue to update me on how things are going. And again, thank you so much to your husband for finding the event on Eventbrite, presenting it to you and you guys showing up as a family. So I really, really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. So that was a letter from a listener. So now let's get into the topic. So um, I'm going to try and keep this nice and short, but I made some notes here because I was, I was, as I was thinking about how I run and orchestrate my life, um, reading this particular segment in this book, which I'm going to share with you momentarily, um, really hit home for me because I was like, dude, that's exactly what I do. I didn't know that I was prioritizing pleasure, but that's exactly what I do. And so to hear it be articulated so well um, in the book, and then as I was reflecting on, you know, how I orchestrate my life, I was like, yo, this is so important. It's always fun to get affirmation that you're on the right track, right? Everybody loves to get validated that the decisions that they're making are good decisions that are going to pay off. And so this um, episode is entitled How I Prioritize Pleasure because what I what I believe is that oftentimes we see pleasure as guilt. We attach guilt to pleasure, should I say. We attach guilt to pleasure because the things that we should be doing, like eating fruits and vegetables or exercising or studying if we're in school or even studying to do a better job, you know, at work, 
um, or in your company, or maybe we should be researching something. The things that we know we should be doing, it seems like they should hurt or be uncomfortable or be difficult. And so if we're not positioning ourselves to uh, be in pain or to struggle or for something to be difficult, we feel like that we're not being productive, right? And a lot of us have um, a sophistication bias and that things are supposed to be difficult to figure out or hard to do or should be challenging. And if they're not, then we're doing something wrong. If you happen to get pleasure out of a kale salad, Okay, then now don't don't hang up on me here. Stay stay right here. If you happen to get pleasure out of eating a kale salad, or if you happen to get pleasure out of your workout, if it's enjoyable for you, um, if you happen to absolutely love what you do, sometimes we attach guilt to those feelings in that you like you ever heard somebody say, like, I knew this couldn't be healthy because it tasted too good, right? So this is essentially what I'm saying. Like it mu- it has to be damn near uh, not palatable for it to be good for me. It has to, the, the workout has to hurt. I need to be sore for a week. I need to be breathing and huff, huffing and puffing. I need to dread this workout for it to be meaningful, right? And so I'm here to tell you on this episode that that's not true. I'm here to tell you on this episode that you could literally enjoy the things that are good for you. You can enjoy doing the research. You can enjoy studying for that class or for that promotion. You can enjoy taking the steps to start your company from scratch. Like it, it not only does it not have to be hard and sophisticated, it can literally be pleasurable. So one of the things that we're going to also retire in 2020, because if you listen to me and Jay's last episode of 2019, we told y'all some stuff we needed to retire in 2020. Um, so I'm about to add to that list real quick. But one of the things we're going to retire in 2020 is this idea of it tasted too good. So I knew it couldn't have been good for me. Okay. Now, whatever that applies to, it might not be food, right? But it felt too good. It tasted too good. He said all the right things or she said all the right things. This, this, this relationship is no way that this level of pleasure that I'm feeling from this other human or when I'm with this other human, there's no way this is sustainable. I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? I want you to retire that thought process. It is available to you to receive pleasure out of things without a string attached. It is available to you to receive pleasure out of things and people without a string attached. Okay. Okay. So here's where this concept comes from. So I'm currently reading a couple of books. Um, I just started reading the third book. I don't know why I do this to myself guys. So I'm reading the one thing, um, by Gary Keller. I'm also reading how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. And I just started reading a third book this week entitled high performance habits. Um, and, but the one thing is one book that I'm reading and I recently read, so I usually read every single day, a couple chapters every day out of one, two or three books. And I recently read a chapter in the one thing. And in this particular chapter, there's a paragraph where he's talking about pleasure. And so I'm going to read this excerpt out of this book for you. And I'm going to tell you what I got out of it, um, how it applies to my life. And then I'm going to give you three tips on how to possibly apply it to yours because super dope, right? Now, this book, The One Thing, if you've never heard of it, it's essentially a book that tells you how to get exceptional results 
out of your life, out of your work, out of things you do by focusing and drilling down on just one thing as opposed to having um, multiple tabs open at once, right? It's kind of like your computer. You're doing a bunch of things at once. How to just have one tab open and he gives you practical tips on how to literally focus on one thing. So that's the premise of the book. But here is an excerpt from it. So this particular section is called Time Block Your Time Off. Again, time block your time off. And I'm going to share with you two quick paragraphs. Let me take a sip. Okay. Time block your time off. It says, extraordinarily successful people launch their year by taking time out to plan their time off. Why? They know they'll need it and they know they'll be able to afford it. In truth, the most successful simply see themselves as working between vacations. On the other hand, the least successful don't reserve time off because they don't think they'll deserve it or be able to afford it. By planning your time off in advance, you are in effect managing your work time around your downtime instead of the other way around. You're also letting everyone else know well in advance when you'll be out so they can plan accordingly. When you intend to be successful, you start by protecting time to recharge and reward yourself. Take time off. Block out long weekends and long vacations. Then take them. You'll be more rested, more relaxed, and more productive afterward. Everything needs rest to function better, and you're no different. juicy (laughs) right so listen when I read these paragraphs I was like you know what Gary Keller you not about to okay you not about to just affirm me in this book right quick let me tell you the sentences that I highlighted I'm gonna reread the sentences that I highlighted he said extraordinarily successful people launch their year by taking time out to plan their time off Another sentence I highlighted, when you intend to be successful, you start by protecting time to recharge and reward yourself. <laughs> Did y'all catch it? When you intend to be successful, success starts with an intention like I already know I'm willing it to be. Okay. Another sentence I highlighted, everything needs rest to function better and you're no different. You're no different. Okay, so this paragraph was so dope because I one of my missions this year as I teach my uh, farm to table live course is to take a vacation before and after every farm to table live. And in order to do that, I had to do two things. Number one, I had to sit down with a calendar, a 2020 calendar and mark down the days that. I, the, you know, the times that throughout the year that I wanted to teach a farm to table course, I teach farm to table live at least once per quarter, this particular quarter, the first quarter in 2020, I'm actually teaching two back to back. Um, but I teach farm to table live at least once per quarter, which comes out to a minimum of four times a year. Right. And because farm to table is six weeks and I teach it a minimum of four times a year. So if I want to take a vacation before and after Every single farm to table course, that means I need to know the dates that I'm teaching the course and I need to plan my vacations. But what I did when I was sat down and I was looking at the year, 
I planned my vacations first. Listen to me now. I planned my vacations first and then I sat down with the calendar and decided when I was going to teach farm to table. I made farm to table live fit around my pre-scheduled, pre-arranged and predetermined time off. As opposed to saying, here's the days I'm going to teach farm to table and let me make a vacation fit in there somewhere around other commitments, speaking engagements and you know, my monthly classes that I teach. No, I said, here's my vacation. This is when I want to go on vacation because here's the places I want to go and here's the best time to go there. Okay. And then I'll make farm to table fit around that. So when I looked at my 2020, as I was kind of planning out my year, and then I read this paragraph in this book and got that affirmation, I said, Lise, you doing, you're nailing it. You're doing something right. You're literally prioritizing pleasure you when you prioritize pleasure you have something to look forward to always so I've always said I think it was um I think it was the film oh was that film with Jim Carrey the butterfly effect the butterfly effect I think this quote comes from the butterfly effect um don't beat me up if it doesn't but I think in that film he said the definition of happiness is always having something to look forward to. The definition of happiness is always having something to look forward to. Now, we all have our own definitions of happiness, right? We can probably throw a rock and hit a thousand definitions. But that one resonated with me because that's literally how I live in my brain. Like, I'm constantly in my mind, like, what's coming up? What's coming up? What's coming up? And I'll talk later about the the power of being present. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not always future casting. Um, I've been quite intentional within the last year working on being present. But when I ain't present, I'm usually in the future thinking about what's coming up. What do I have going on? Not just from a logistic and business standpoint, but also from I want to trigger excitement in me right and so I'm usually like oh I'm getting with the girls this weekend for drinks are we going out to dinner or oh I got tickets to this show this concert this comedy show this live music um or I'm going to see poetry or oh they're showing a, sh- a free film in the park down the street from my house so I'm gonna take my blanket and take me some hot tea and go lay out on the grass and watch this film right so I'm I'm not just in my head to plan and navigate my day and my week but I'm also in my head to get joy now Also, don't get me wrong. What I'm not saying here is um, that I'm I'm so far into the future that I'm unable to enjoy the present moment. I'm not saying that. So I don't want you to hear that. Right. I when I get to the film in the park, when I get to dinner with the girls, I'm completely present. Now, I had to do some work to be able to do that. I had to do some work to learn how to be present. So I enjoy it in the moment just as much as I enjoy anticipating it. And I had to learn that. But what I'm telling you is, for me, the definition of happiness really is always having something to look forward to. But the only way I can ensure I always have something to look forward to is by prioritizing pleasure. Okay, so what I did for you guys really quick Um, is I wrote down three ways you can prioritize pleasure. Um, And these are three things that I've done. So I just basically took a wide eye view, a bird's eye view of my life, 
And I said, okay, well, Lisa, if you were going to share this with people, what would you tell them you do specifically to prioritize pleasure? And so the first, well, before I get to the official first, the the first that I said earlier that I want to bring back to the forefront is this. Remember, always remember that things don't have to be difficult. They don't have to be hard and they don't have to hurt to be productive. Okay. So eating healthy doesn't have to be, doesn't have to taste bad. So getting, reaching your health goals, that workout does, you don't have to murder your body to reach your health goals. You can literally enjoy the Zumba class, enjoy the yoga, enjoy the Pilates, enjoy the kickboxing, enjoy working out by yourself in your living room. Like it doesn't have to be painful to be productive. Okay, so that's the first thing that I want you to remember. We have to get that notion of if it uh, if it tastes too good to me, it must not be good for me. We have to get that out of our heads. Okay, so you got that. That's the prerequisite to understanding everything I'm about to say. So you've passed your prerequisite. Let's get into the core course. Okay, so first thing, first tip I'm going to give you in order to prioritize pleasure is this. Intentionally seek out and invest in experiences. Now, intentionally seek out and invest in experiences. Now, the first thing I want to do for you with this tip is define what I mean when I say invest. Usually when we hear invest, we think money, okay? Experiences don't have to cost you anything. So when I say seek out and invest in experiences, investment can come in the form of money, But it can also come in the form of time, energy, or attention. Those are all investments. It's not just a financial one, right? Because we're all falling on different planes here when it comes to this. But experiences are available to all of us regardless of your income bracket. Okay? So nothing I'm about to say is unavailable to you. Everything I'm about to say is available to you and I don't care who you are listening. Okay? So that's the first thing. Intentionally seek out and invest experiences. And I'm going to tell you ways in which I do this. Pause for tea. Okay. So one of the simple ways I uh, invest and seek out experiences is I'm subscribed to a newsletter, which literally sends me experiences going on in my city every Monday. (laughs) Basic, right? Super basic. So if you're in the Metro Detroit area, the newsletter that I'm subscribed to is called Blacktivity. It is B-L-A-C-K-T-I-V-I-D, right? And what she does is she sends out things that are going on in and around the city um, every single Monday. And she sends them out for the entire week. So she sends out a list Monday through Sunday of events that you can check out. Some are free, some cost. It's perfect, right? So right lands right on my doorstep every Monday. I'm clicking on that email and I'm checking out what's going on around town, right? So I'm giving myself access to experiences and then I get to pick and choose what I want to engage in, right? So I'm intentionally seeking out these things, right? Because when we seek out experiences, usually the experiences that we're going to tap on and the experiences that we're going to engage in or invest in are going to be things that we're excited about that are going to bring us joy, right? And so that's one way to prioritize pleasure is that you intentionally seek out the pleasure, right? And so one way, again, the newsletter. 
Second thing I've um, done to intentionally seek out and invest in experiences is the decision I made on where to live. Now, for me, I am a metropolis girl. Like, I am a big city girl. I am a concrete um, jungle girl, okay? Now, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love nature. I absolutely love greenery. um, And I have to have it. It's important. But as far as where I live, where I dwell, okay, I am a walk out of my front door and see people and things to do and coffee shops and hustle and bustle and things going on type of girl. I am her. She is me. Okay. So when um, I moved over a year ago, I intentionally made sure I was going to be in a place that made it easy for me to walk to experiences, made it easy for me to access these things. Now, this may or may not apply to everybody. Like I know that I know it's not easy to get up and just move, but some of you are in a place where you're um, going to be relocating soon. Right. And so if you want to make prioritizing pleasure, a priority for you, then consider the things to do when you're considering where to live. Don't just consider, you know, the neighborhood or the schools, all of that totally matters. Like what I'm saying is add something on your list that should matter for where you live, right? Um, and for me, that is being able to, I'm, I'm walking distance to the arena where the Detroit Pistons play. I'm walking distance to all the th- theaters in, in downtown Detroit. I'm walking distance to all these phenomenal restaurants and coffee shops and parks and to the riverfront. I just walk up there and I can walk along the water, right? Like thinking like when it's warm out, um, just the thought of getting up, not having to get into a car and deal with traffic and parking and all that, and just being able to walk to peace, I eat the water, you know, and watch people and look at the water and the sun and watch kids play, you know, in the, in the waterscape they have down there. Like that brings me joy, right? That brings me peace. So I intentionally position myself based on where I live to have access to those things. Okay. So that's the second way that I intentionally sought out and invested in experiences. So newsletter, deciding on where I live. The next thing that you can do to seek out and invest in experiences is show up more to the places that make you feel whole and alive. So, for example, if your faith, if like going to church, for example, makes you feel amazing, like if you absolutely love your your pastor or whatever and the people in the church and you see people and you hug them and they're always happy to see you, you're always happy to see them, you leave every Sunday and you feel so refreshed and alive. Check their event calendar. What else does the church have going on, right? Do they have a Bible study? Do they have social mingle events where you can see these people more or hear more from your pastor? Like, or do you just be like, man, I got to wait till next Sunday to get that Joe to life again, right? Do you intentionally show up to the places that already make you feel good? Or do you just subscribe to the 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 standard and the schedule that we've all subscribed to like churches on Sunday. And that's when church is right. No, a church can probably be on Monday, Tuesday. We know the church always got something going on. Or is it your civic organization? Are you a part of a sorority or a certain organization? I remember I did a, um, 
I did a work, like a 10-week exercise group class for this organization uh, in Detroit called the Women Who Wine, right? And this is a group of women who get together for social activity, like, you know, once or a couple times a month, they'll do wine tastings or they'll do something like they hire me to do and work out together. Um, They dine together, you know, they literally create space to engage in fellowship with one another, right? So are you a part of some type of organization like that? How can you get more of that? Pull more from the things you're already attached to. If you know that I feel amazing every time I do this thing, do more of that thing. See what else they have going on or join an organization that shares some of your um, core values that you enjoy. For example, if you enjoy knitting, right? If you enjoy quilting, like my mom is a quilter, like she's literally started a business with quilting. She absolutely loves quilts. She goes on like quilting retreats, right? Um, Something I could never relate to, right? Like, but I love it. Like I love people that love what they do. And so she's like, no, Lisa, I can't. I'm going on a, a two day quilting retreat this weekend up north. I'm like, yes, get it, ma. Because she's showing up for the things she enjoys. She's intentionally seeking out experiences. Now she could have enjoyed quilting as a solo act. Yes, she could have enjoyed quilting just in her home. Like she has all these uh, sewing machines and stuff. You know, she she has, first of all, (laughs) okay, my mom has dedicated a room into her home to quilting. I want to be clear about that. She got all these different sewing machines. She has this big table with this measuring thing where she measures fabric. She has like, should we, anytime we go somewhere, like when we take a road trip, we literally have to stop at a quilting store. She's like, well, I want to check out the quilting store in town and see what kind of fabric they got or what kind of tools they got. And she chats with the proprietor of the store and they talk about quilting. So she could have kept that as a solo act, but no, she literally joined the quilting group at church and then she's part of another quilting group and they go on retreats and they swap fabrics and swatches and all these like I know quilting lingo now you know what I mean I'm like well versed in quilting because my mom is but she has found something that brings her joy and she intentionally seeks out ways to enjoy it more as opposed to just making a pass making it a pastime that she um dedicates leftover time to Okay, she instead of dedicating leftover time to her quilting, she intentionally mandates time for a quilting and makes it a priority as opposed to maybe it can happen if I finish work on time or maybe it can happen if I get some time away from the kids and the family this week. No, she prioritizes pleasure. Okay. Um, Final thing, and we're still on tip one. Clearly, this podcast is about to go for an hour. That was not my intent, uh, but I hope it's juicy enough to keep you engaged. Uh, another way to intentionally seek out and invest in experiences is to make your home a pleasurable place to be. So make your home pleasurable. If it's not, why isn't it? So final example on this number one. I have a client who, you know, confessed to me during our last coaching session that she's a big worrier. She worries a lot about most everything. And she's like, I worry. And I said, well, why do you worry? Like, give me an example of something you're worrying about. And she said, well, I really want carpet in my bedroom. Okay. I really want carpet. And, you know, like financially, it's not really doable right now. But every single time I come home, like I think about this carpet, like I look at my room and I'm like, oh, I wish I had carpet. I want new carpet in my bedroom. Right. And so 
you know, at the end of our coaching session, one of her assignments was we sat down and put together a plan for her to get the new carpet because she worries not because she doesn't have a car the carpet. She worries because she doesn't have a plan to get the carpet. Okay. But because of not having the carpet, her home life isn't a, a fully pleasurable experience. So we spend a lot of time at home, most of us, right? And so one of the ways that you can prioritize pleasure is intentionally changing or curating the environment that we call home. So that might be a physical update, like getting carpet, painting cabinets, something like that. Like Jay, she has dedicated a space in her home to meditation and that brings her joy, right? But it can also be create changing the energy in your home. It can also be, okay, the home might not be a pleasurable experience because of who you share the home with, right? And so who do you need to have a conversation with? What house rules do you need to introduce in order to make home a pleasurable experience? I think sometimes we take for granted the impact that our home environment has on our attitude, our mood, our disposition. And so if you're not walking, like if you have to sit in the driveway for an hour or 30 minutes before you go in the house for whatever reason, let's figure that out. Like I'm anxious when I park, I'm like hopping out the car and running in the house. Like, oh, I can't wait because I'm going to have my smells goods going. It's clean. Like I like coming home to cleanliness so the dishes have been washed, the counters have been wiped down, but also visually it's appealing for me. So I really, really like this, um, French artist. It's a black Parisian woman. She's an artist. Um, and I buy her art, artwork. Her name is Nicole Kobe. And I absolutely love her pieces. So I bought like four of her pieces, I think last year. And I like framed them and I put them on my wall. Well, she was supposed to come to town. She was supposed to come to Detroit. She was like on tour and she was doing like this, you know, like this art, like expo thing to her. And she was supposed to come to Detroit. Well, she ended up canceling the, the event in Detroit because she got sick or whatever the reason was. But, you know, as a consolation for canceling, she sent all of us who had bought tickets a coupon code for like, you know, a percentage off of some more of her artwork, some more of her pieces. And so I took full advantage of that because the coupon code was only good for the year of 2019. And so I had already previously bought like four of her pieces, but when I was like, no, I'm using this coupon code. Like I cannot pass up the opportunity to get my girl's work. And so I bought guys like literally just a couple weeks ago, six more pieces of hers. Like I love, I absolutely, cause she paints black women and she paints natural black women and she paints us in positions in states that are so authentic right and so she paints us like walking down the street with like our hair up in this messy all-natural bun with a cup of well I'm gonna call it tea but it's probably coffee I don't know and you know she paints us in this like funky chase lounges with you know our thick thighs and you know our melanin skin like she just paints these beautiful she well, I don't know if there's paints or if there's sketches I think there's sketches they're not it's not paintings um, but there's like these beautiful artworks of melanated women just in their natural element being their 
phenomenal self, their excellent selves. And so every time I see her artwork, I'm just like so moved by it. And so I literally like a couple weeks ago bought six more pieces of hers. And then when they arrived, I literally ran out bought frames for them and I have already framed them and I have already put them on my wall. So I have dedicated this one wall in my place to like her work, right? And it can never be too much. Like every time I come home and see it, it's a pleasurable experience. So in the way that I have curated my home, I have prioritized pleasure. Like what do you need to put in your home that brings you joy and peace, okay? So that's step one. Let me move on to the other two because clearly... I can go on, but I like to give you guys really thorough examples of the importance of prioritizing pleasure. So the first way was to intentionally seek out and invest in experiences. The second way you can begin to prioritize pleasure is to do the work to enjoy what you do. Now, when I say do the work to enjoy what you do, when I say what you do, I'm specifically talking about your career here. So do what needs to be done to intentionally enjoy your career. Now, this is a big one. Just like we spend a lot of time at home, a lot of us spend a lot of time working, right? I'm not gonna say at work, because you could work from home, but we spend a lot of time working, whatever that looks like for you. If you're constantly in a field or traveling, or if you're in an office all day, or if you have a home office, whatever it looks like, do the work to enjoy what you do. We know it is, a very big thing, and I don't, I used to know the numbers, but I no, no, no longer know the science, um, but I know a very large percentage of people hate their jobs. A very large percentage of people do not enjoy what they do. A, a very large percentage of people want out, right? And a very large percentage of people literally cringe and feel disgust or just feel depression or depressed over the thought of work. The thought of work literally brings them into a mild state of depression. Okay, so one of the ways you're going to begin to prioritize pleasure is by doing the work to enjoy what you do. Now, let me tell you how this could look, okay? Sips tea. Okay. So I'm not telling you to quit your job. I'm not telling you to necessarily find another job. You already know those are options, right? And if you don't, hey, they're options, okay? Okay, but if you were working for someone, right, you can request a change at work. Like, see, so sometimes, and I've, and I've realized this as being a leader, right? I, at, at the nonprofit that I'm the executive director of, I have an entire staff of people um, and then in my companies, I have individuals um, who work for me, work with me. And one of the things I've, I realized as a leader just last year, this was like a leadership lesson from 2019, was that people don't often dislike their work because of because they need a complete new job or they need to completely shift industries. They typically don't like their work because they're placed in a position that doesn't realize their gifts. They're placed in a position that is not fitting for what their natural gift is or what they have to offer. So it's not that you literally, literally need to go out and start submitting resumes to a whole new company or organization. It's that you just need to shift positions in the one you're in. So how can you, at the company you're at, be positioned 
to have your gifts realized so you feel more purposeful and you feel more joy and pleasure out of what you do. Okay, you know, realizing that somebody that works for me need not be responsible for writing the emails um, or doing the admin work, that they're better suited to be in the front lines in front of the people. And the reason that they were slacking on their job is not because they're horrible at that job, it's because it doesn't fit what their talents are. And so me as a leader, I is my responsibility to able to, to be able to assess a person and realize that you need not be fired or demoted or whatever. It's that you need to be in a different position, okay? So positioning might be a problem, not necessarily the job or the industry. Maybe you have been doing what you've been doing so long that it's no longer stretching you, challenging you, and pulling you in a way where you feel like you're contributing, right? We all need to be able to contribute to our society, our environment, our community as a whole. And so you might just need to have a conversation with leadership about how you can be better positioned to realize your gifts. Now, the onus on your part is to understand and to know what your gifts are. Like I know my gift is communication and not just in speaking. My gift is communication even in writing. I think I'm a great writer. Uh, So um, I took back that job in my own company. Like I told my assistants, you guys no longer will be doing a weekly newsletter and I will be sending out all emails that are not like automated reminders. Like you craft the emails that are just saying, hey, reminder of upcoming nutrition class this week. But when it comes to emails where I'm like giving deep information or sharing stuff about myself, I realized that's my gift and I needed to do that. Okay, so I had to reposition myself in my own company. I thought like, hey, just delegate as many things as possible and get them off your plate. No, communication is my gift. So anything that has to do with communication in my company, I'm taking onus of. Anything that has to do with with whatever your gift is in your job, you need to take more onus of that, right? If you're like, no, I'm great at problem solving or I'm great at you know, communicate. I'm great at whatever it is. Like I'm great at assessing this and breaking it down. I'm great at interpreting our policies and procedures. And so I will work better as a trainer. I will work better at coaching new employees. So I think sometimes, especially when we work for someone else, we, um, think that the job that I was hired for And by the way, the job you were hired for, sometimes it's your fault because it's also the job you applied for, but we ain't going to go there. But sometimes we think that the job that I I was hired for um, is the only job I can do because that was the agreement, right? That was the agreement between you and the organization. You applied for this position, okay, um, as customer service rep, and you got the position. And so after six months in a position, you realize that this ain't the position for you. However, you feel like you need to be loyal to the position you applied for. And therefore, um, there is no other negotiation. I either got to suffer through this job forever or go find a new job. Uh, false. Hello. No. Listen, hey, you can go back and say we were both wrong. (laughs) Okay. I was wrong for applying for this position. And you were wrong for believing me when I told you I'd be the best you ever had in this position. 
okay? Um, because we, we, we sell a dream in those interviews, don't we sometimes, right? So we were both wrong. And let's come back to the table and renegotiate. Well, what I realized since working in this customer role, service role is that, um, and, and based on the other people that I work with, that um, I, I had to go through training. I thought that was a dope job. I think I would be a great trainer or um, a supervisor or managerial position or a more lateral position where you realize, you know what, or I found some um, some faults, some loopholes in policy and procedure. And I actually think I would be better fit to rewrite policy and procedure. I don't know, guys, but you get my meaning, right? Like, how can you do the work to enjoy what you do? If you work for yourself, there is no reason why you have decided to start your own company and you hate it. If you work for yourself, there is there is absolutely nothing in your way of prioritizing pleasure. I'll give you a real world example. When I first started my first health and wellness company in 2015, it was a personal training company. We did online personal training and offline personal training. Now today, as I sit in 2020, I have, mm, I want to say four, four or five personal training clients remaining and I no longer take personal training clients. But my business started off as a personal training company and it has since evolved into so much more, but we focus heavily on nutrition. I realized in the evolution of my business that I loved nutrition. And so I've since created products and offerings and services that center more around me being able to do more of that as opposed to the personal training. So much so that I don't even renew my certification as a personal trainer anymore. I don't care about it enough. It doesn't give me enough pleasure. Why would I invest literally hundreds of dollars and time out of my life to study, to take this test, to get recertified when I don't even want to personal train anymore. Now, to any of my personal training clients listening, I love y'all. No, I promise you, and I'm not even lying here because I I met, I realized um, about a, more than a year ago that you can set intention about um, who you work with. Just like you, you know how when you like, if you a man or a woman, you looking for a mate, right? You're looking for a man, you're looking for a woman and you can make a list of everything you want in a man and a woman and you know who you want to attract so that you can have a phenomenal relationship. I realized that that same rule applies to clients. So what I did, um, I think it was in 2017 or 2018, is I literally sat down and made a list of the qualities I wanted my clients to have. So when I tell you I enjoy every single one of my clients now, it's 100% fact. There is not one client that I meet with on a weekly basis that I don't genuinely look forward to. However, I no longer take new personal training clients. That is no longer the focus that I want to have in my company. Do we still offer personal training? Yes, we do, right? But Tiffany is now our personal trainer in the company, and now I focus on other things. So I did the work to enjoy what I do. I did the work to be able to enjoy what I do, which means because I spend so much time working, I did the work to make it a pleasurable experience for myself. So I prioritize pleasure, not just in vacations and girl time and boy time, right? But I prioritize pleasure also in my work. So I looked at what I did in my companies and made a solid decision on what I wanted to do more of, what I wanted to do less of, and then I created the ways to get there. 
right? Whether I needed to hire an assistant to delegate or whether I needed to talk to somebody who I already worked with and said, hey, I will want to, it seems like you enjoy doing this. I will no longer do it. This will be all for you, right? Or if I just took some offerings off the table, I created this company. We ain't doing that no more, right? We don't offer that anymore. Why? Because it doesn't bring pleasure and joy, not only to myself, but the people who work for me. So do the work to enjoy what you do because you can literally have pleasure in your work that's available to you. Third and final way you can prioritize pleasure. So quick recap. Number one was intentionally seek out and invest in experience experiences. Number two was do the work to enjoy what you do. Again, we pleasure seekers over here. The third and final way that you can prioritize pleasure is by being very intentional about your circle of influence. Very intentional about your circle of influence. So this is the top five people you surround yourself with. This is so important because a lot of times, you know, we need time alone, most of us. But we also love time, spending time with other people. And if the people you spend time with, if you guys don't share common, pleasurable experiences, then sometimes it can be difficult to spend that time, right? Like, like, like if your mate doesn't like going to the movies and you love going to the movies or doesn't, you know, prefers to eat dinner at home and you love going out trying new restaurants, right? That can be a point of contention in that relationship. And it doesn't have to be your mate. It could be your best friend, your best bud, your favorite cousin. I don't care who it is you're spending time with. But my point is having common interest in certain pleasurable experiences makes a huge difference because not only will you guys be able to equally enjoy these experiences, but you don't have to always be the one coming up with the idea, right? So for example, uh, Jay and uh, our good friend Tiff, if you guys have been following for the podcast for a while, then you know me, Jay and Tiff. Uh, we're, we're all close buds, right? We're all good friends. And they are both taking farm to table this semester. So they're both both taking farm to table live this semester. And so it's super cool to have, you know, two of your closest friends actually in your class. It's kind of cool. But one of the things that happened was like a couple of weeks ago. So farm to table started um, this winter semester started on January 20th. And so like a week before winter semester start, Tiff messaged us in the group text and was like, guys, we should totally have like a Mediterranean dinner and like a big shebang with drinks and everything before we start farm to table. And me and Jay was like, definitely do it. Yes, yes. And yes. Right. Like we were so hyped. Like Tiff presented an idea right? That we all equally would enjoy like yummy Mediterranean food. Uh, we did it at my place, you know, came over, girl talk, bonded, ate, laughed, whatever. And it was Tiff's idea because we all enjoy girl time, food, drinks, hanging out, you know, chilling at somebody's house, dancing, laughing, twerking, whatever, right? Crying, giving advice, whatever, telling stories, catching each other up. And it was Tiff's idea. My circle of influence also prioritizes pleasure. Oh, you better catch it. My circle of influence also prioritizes pleasure. So I don't let it all fall on me. Like my ability to enjoy my life and the things that I do 
are not just dictated by my own ideas all the time. I intentionally seek out and attach myself to persons who also prioritize pleasure so that if I ain't checked my newsletter, if I ain't walk nowhere in my neighborhood, you best believe I have a text message with somebody saying, let's do this. What about this? Where are we going on our fit trip this year, ladies? Right? Tiff, even at the, at the Mediterranean dinner, which was Tiff's idea, she said, hey, guys, don't forget, I want to still do trap yoga. So we put trap yoga on our calendar. Me and Jay, right away, whipped out our phone, and we, we everybody, you know, we um, put our schedules together and say, no, this day don't work for me. This works for me. We came up with a day that works for all three of us. And boom, we're going to trap yoga in a couple Saturdays, right? We prioritize pleasure. Okay. And so your circle of influence could help you to do that same thing. Um, my colleagues, even my uh, colleagues that I work with, like other people in the health and wellness industry or people um, who I've just met as an entrepreneur, like I really, like when I meet new people that I have good energy and good vibes with, like I make it a very serious intention to like reach out to them on some stuff that ain't got nothing to do with business, right? Like, hey girl, hey, um, when I, we last spoke, you said this is such and such what's going on with you. Just checking in to see how that's going or how can I help? Or I just saw this super cool thing that I thought you would love because you're into this super cool thing, right? Like, I make it a point to let them know I like you as a person, not just as a colleague, okay? But what happens is we like each other. And so I'll instantly, I'll easily get an email, an invite, or a text message for one of my new friends like, Yo, I'm going to be around your way Saturday. Let's do dinner. Let's do brunch. Let's do breakfast. Let's go for tea. Let's go for wine or let's go for a walk, right? So I even my colleagues, so not just my long lasting friends and buds, like because I prioritize pleasure in my own life, I make it known that I prioritize pleasure, whether that be via social media, via emails, via text message, via just chatting with somebody. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm about to go to poetry tonight or, oh, no, I'm about to go see so-and-so live tonight. Right. Like people know I prioritize pleasure because they hear the things I do. And so I then attract that same energy. So when I meet these colleagues that I turn into friends, they prioritize pleasure with me. Right. And because, you know, people in your life that you can do that with. So I make it known that, hey, you can do that with me. So your circle of influence can be a way that you can prioritize pleasure. Boom. One hour and one minute. Listen, do y'all guys a solo podcast this episode. What y'all think? Like, I, I want some feedback about what you think about this idea and this concept of prioritizing pleasure. What do you think about my three tips? Do you have some tips on ways that you can prioritize pleasure? Let's review really quickly. Number one, understand the concept of just because it's, it's good for you doesn't mean that it can't taste good to you, right? So it doesn't have to hurt to work. It doesn't have to taste horrible to work. It doesn't have to be something that you cringe over doing or that you suffer through. You can literally enjoy the things that are good for you. And then the core ways that you can prioritize pleasure is intentionally seek out and invest in experience. Number two, do the work to enjoy what you do. And number three, Make sure your circle of influence is conducive to pleasurable experiences. The people that you surround yourself with, are they also prioritizing pleasure so that you guys 
can enjoy pleasurable experiences together and not just always problem solve together or overcome a barrier together or cry together. Like, is everybody in your circle of influences suggesting ways that you guys can prioritize pleasure? And those are my tips. I hope it was super helpful. Um, I forgot to do some announcements in the beginning, but if you're listening to this before February 1st, I have um, a nutrition class coming up. If you're in Metro Detroit, I would love for you to come out. It is Saturday, February 1st from 10 to 12 at 1938 Franklin Street at the Living Balanced Wellness Studio, also known as the Elevator Building, 1938 Franklin Street, 10 to 12, 100% free. The name of the class is Get Planet, an introduction to a whole food plant-based lifestyle. Totally come see your girl live. I'm going to be on that stage in my purpose. So slanging these plants, making sure you get everything you need to be happy, healthy, and whole. Um, Jay and I will record another episode together that's coming up next week. Um, And then um, I will be releasing open enrollment for spring farm to table live within the next week or so, right? I'm getting confirmation of some things. Um, And then farm to table live spring 2020 will be launching or enrollment will be launching soon. That class is going to kick off on Monday, March 16th, and we'll go for six weeks. Um, Now, what I'm also looking to do, I got one or two more things I need to put in place, but I'm going to do another Farm to Table Live online. So previously, I've done a Farm to Table Live online, meaning six weeks, I come on and lecture for two, two and a half hours live via Zoom video conference so that you can take Farm to Table Live anywhere in the world um, in a group setting, in a classroom-like setting. But there's some perks that I want to add on to the Farm to Table Live online. And so... There's some things that I have to, a couple more things I have to put in place before I can do that. But that is coming this year because several people have asked, like, listen, I'm in the Black Health Academy. I live in a totally different state. I can't take Farm to Live in Detroit, obviously. And the answer is yes, I do totally do it online, live. Um, But I did it before, but I want to do it again in a different way. So give me a second to build that out. And I'm thinking I'll be able to do a Farm to Table live online for summer 2020 okay all right with that being said drop me some feedback if you like this episode like it if you love it share it um if we need some feedback give me a comment let me know or how are you prioritizing pleasure how would you make this uh pleasure a priority in your life moving forward and i will be back here with another episode next week till then be well